All right. Well, welcome to Social Distance Warriors, which is a podcast where we talk about the pandemic and all that stuff that's related to it. My name is uh, Tom, and I am not a trusted source for uh, medical or psychological or any other kind of advice, really. And my name is Rachel, and I'm also not an expert. Ex- mm. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not an expert, as you can see. <laughs> uh, it's been a week. It has. It has. It's been a, mm, it's been a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, we're recording this. It's June 2nd, a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and a lot has happened in the country since we last recorded. I think you did a brief, like, thing in front of last week's episode, and we're not particularly a current events podcast, but also we're kind of a, like, current events podcast. Um, yeah, you know, there's a sense in which we are not at all a current events in the show, and there is a sense in which we are nothing but a current events show. Yeah. Uh, so don't get your news <laughs> from us, but I, I did feel like we spend a lot of time, you know, talking about Donald Trump's tweets or, like, what our local government is doing. So it would be amiss uh, not to make a mention of everything going on in in the country the past week. So I did a, I did a little thing for, I guess, posterity's sake, um, that I'm going to give an overview of what happened uh, in the past week. Yeah, th- you might have done more preparation for this than <laughs> either of us have ever done <laughs> That's for, true. Uh, for this show. That's true. I tried to uh, make it a little easier on you uh, <laughs> doing the podcast description notes because you do it very thoroughly. So I tried to help out with giving you some some links that you didn't have to hunt for. Uh, well, the, the notes are, um, are usually just like <laughs> one sentence about the show and then just a list of links, which is just me w- listening to the podcast. And as I'm listening to it, I was like, Oh, maybe I should just throw that in there. And then, yeah, but no. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, that's more than I do some weeks. Some weeks I cannot bring myself to listen to my voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I might just have some kind of form of narcissism because it doesn't, it doesn't bother me to hear the sound of my voice. But yeah, it is, it has been interesting, especially in the past week, because it has felt like the pandemic is not the primary thing that we are quote unquote living through. Yeah. But it, it's also like what makes everything have an extra sort of tint to it because it's it's still there. But yeah, it's not been the focus of the news really uh, for the past week. Yeah. What ha- what has been the focus, um, and I'll, I'll go into my little thing, mm-hmm. um, is that last week on May 25th, uh, George Floyd, an unarmed black man, was killed by a police officer who pinned and suffocated him. Uh, with his knee for almost nine minutes. And for years, the Minneapolis Police Department had received many excessive force complaints. Um, Eventually, after days of protests, one of the police officers involved was arrested and charged with third-degree murder, but the other three officers involved have been fired but still are not arrested. Um, And over the past week, there's been numerous huge protests across America in memory of George Floyd and in memory of Breonna Taylor, who's a black woman that was killed in her own home in Louisville, Kentucky, and and in memory of Tony McDade, who was a black trans man uh, killed at the hands of police officers in Tallahassee, Florida. So at many of these protests, which are specifically against excessive force uh, against black people by police. Uh, The police often responded with excessive force and brutality. From a Slate article on May 31st, 
Um, It's titled, Police Erupt in Violence Nationwide. And this is a quote from the article. Police all over the country tear gassed protesters, drove vehicles through crowds, opened fire with non-lethal rounds on journalists or people in their own property, and in at least one instance, uh, pushed over an elderly man who was walking away with a cane. The article goes on to post dozens and dozens of videos documenting police violence against peaceful protesters and against journalists. And yesterday, which relatively close to home uh, in Washington, D.C., before a 7 p.m. curfew, peaceful protesters were tear gassed and, and cleared away, essentially, so uh, Donald Trump could give a speech and then walk over to St. John's Church for a photo op. The church had been um, partially burned the day before. Trump, in his speech, also threatened military force against protesters nationwide, and he does have sort of unreasonable presidential authority over D.C. policing in particular because uh, D.C. is not a state. And in D.C., he's had the ability to call in a huge number of National Guard and military tanks for D.C., And we know that coronavirus disproportionately affects black and brown communities already. Um, And so using tear gas at all, but especially during a pandemic, is not only cruel, but it is going to increase the spread of the coronavirus. And in contrast to a month ago when armed white protesters were um, in many states protesting and in one case stormed a Michigan state house demanding the states to reopen, they were not met with the same response. Um, and in fact, Trump praised them um, and just wanted to close out with, as a white person, it's my obligation to support black voices and do long-term work of unlearning anti-Black racism in myself, family, and community. The Black Lives Matter activists have been doing the work on this exact issue of police shootings of unarmed Black people since 2015, and Black Americans live this reality every day. Um, And especially during Pride Month of June, the queer community remembers the Stonewall Riots, which were led by Black drag queens and trans women who started the modern gay rights movement. Um, and hopefully in the podcast description, um, there'll be links to get started on how to donate and support protests and other uh, black art organizations. Um, there's one in particular from uh, The Nerdist that has a good summary of a lot of different organizations. And then not on that list, uh, but one organization I wanted to highlight that's close to my heart is the Trans. Lifeline. All the operators on this call line are themselves trans, and they also specifically do not call the police on someone who is suicidal in their about section. Um, They were founded in 2014 as a peer support crisis hotline, and because of the particularly vulnerable relationship transgender people have with the police, it is also the only service in the country with a policy against non-consensual active rescue. I, they don't call the police. Um, so that's that's an overview. That is not everything that's gone on the past week, but that's that's what I got. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a lot. Oh, and my dog wants to come in my room. <laughs> I, Denied. Let your, oh, I was going to say, let your dog in. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, I mean, okay. that's you do you. You you determine what is best for your dog. She changed her mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is a uh, that's very. Um, I echo your sentiments, even though I didn't prepare a statement as you did, but I do want to like thank you because I do think that that was a very succinct and helpful distillation of what has been a very chaotic development, I feel like, of the way people have been talking about this story over the past several years in general, but also, but most especially over the past week. I think the thing that's been particularly striking to me is the sheer volume of video evidence of complete, of like completely beyond the pale police misbehavior, whether that has to do with, you know, in, in some cases, this is things that get caught live on television as police behave in, in 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 ways that are brutal and unfair to anyone but when directed towards uh towards journalists as it has been you know also comprise like a first amendment issue above and beyond the one that comes from them targeting people who have assembled to protest to the point where it it seems like at least once an hour on my twitter timeline i'm seeing a new a brand new video that shows incontrovertible proof of the exact trends that are being protested against. Like uh, not an hour before we started recording, I saw I saw a video. I don't know if you've seen this one. There's there's too many to keep track of, but I saw a video of I think it was three um, black folks. I think they were um, I think they were a family. I'm not sure about that. Who were protecting a small store from looters and flagging down police to go after the looters and the police initially like a car just drove by and then did a u-turn came around and immediately stormed right at them and put them in handcuffs and it's it's just that's just the example that's freshest in my mind it's been you know just a constant stream of these stories and um images and videos and it's it's just it's it's appalling in many ways. I mean, part of it is also that it's it's a complete shock to the system after the past couple of months have been some of the strangest and most stressful times in American history. Yeah. And the way this has compounded upon that and intersected with it and yeah, it's it's just been it's just been completely <laughs> completely strange and sad and angering and everything. Yeah, no, to to have people, I don't know, naively me thinking like, okay, so there's not going to be any mass gatherings for like years and people have to go out and and protest e- even in a pandemic. I have mixed feelings about Twitter and its influence on <laughs> my mental health, but like the ability of Twitter and probably more like secure platforms, but to just like spread all of this as it is happening and of like local journalists to like spread is specifically what is happening is really impressive uh, in, in my like <laughs> 10th grade U.S. history or no world history class. We did like a little unit on Twitter. Uh, this was like 10 years ago and they were like, oh, can Twitter be used for political action who knows let's debate hmm. uh and clearly we've come a long way yeah it can be used for political actions in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah some of which are really really harmful and some of which are so, i don't know it, it's 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 strange it's like it's like asking can paved roads be used for political action <laughs> it's almost self-evident that they can but the difference i mean one of the differences is that um twitter is owned by a corporation that allegedly has certain rules. We mentioned in our previous episode about how um, how Trump's uh, tweet about mailing ballots had been slapped with a warning label 
and he had uh, thrown a hissy fit about that. And not not terribly long after we recorded, he had another tweet where he um, he basically said, "When the looting starts, the sh- the shooting starts," and essentially egging on police violence against um, protesters who either are engaging in or are perceived to be engaging in acts of property damage. And uh, Twitter also put a warning label on that one. In fact, not only did they put a warning label on it, they they hit it from view and you had to click through after seeing a message that it was um, a tweet that glorified violence and violated the Twitter policy, but they had decided to keep it visible because of a, you know, a public interest in, in having a public figure's statements available. Yeah. That, and I, it's, it seems like everything is changing and shifting and moving so fast. Did you watch Trump's address last night? Yeah, um, we we have basically twenty four seven TV news on in my house. Yeah, you've, you've, you've said that. Yeah. So this was one of the occasions where, like, as a family, uh, we were in the living room um, and they were covering local news, DC protests, and it's relatively close where DC suburb to us. So we're watching that with the lead up to uh, Trump's speech, and then you see the lead up to uh, its peaceful protest and how it develops and how they come through on horses and clear everybody out for Trump. Yeah. I don't don't know that that was the actual morally worst moment of the Trump presidency so far, but it was, I felt like it was the most morally shocking. Um, That sequence of events where he essentially comes on stage and I think declares martial law is, I don't know if that's an overstatement, but it certainly sounds like he is using, as you mentioned, his extraordinary authority in Washington, D.C. to at least push things very close to what we describe as a state of martial law there and recommending that governors do the same. And then immediately doing this egregious photo stunt photo opportunity, which is, I don't know, I find I find the, the supposed religiosity of, of Trump to be um, one of the most like utterly ridiculous aspects of his uh, of the way he attempts to project himself because i don't know a, a lot of the times he th- there's a lot of ways in which he doesn't conceal who he is he he's just like outspokenly the complete asshole that that he is but um he does seem to make an effort to like project a sort of religious christian religiosity that is very obviously false and the sort of evangelical right sort of projects a belief in and support of that religiosity which is also very obviously false yeah which i don't know it it ties my head in knots with with regard to like what is religion even in america like what is this evangelical right because the fact that they play along in this this game of pretending that that trump is religious just kind of makes me doubt the sincerity of any of their religiosity it's 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 a lot like i was talking about with the hydroxychloroquine thing a couple weeks ago where where it's just like my my brain just keeps going down these like rabbit holes of like if then statements like okay but if this is true then that is also like and it's possibly too too much logic to apply to such a an obviously illogical thing but yeah yeah he's our reality tv president and not above using like the bible as a prop and just everything is without substance yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so one of the happier things in my life that happened this week is um 
I resigned from my job. Oh, uh, <laughs> so I can now say uh, I've worked for the Census Bureau, but I don't anymore. Hmm. Now that you're no longer working for the Census Bureau, Bureau are you going to uh, recant all of your support of the <laughs> census and finally admit that people shouldn't shouldn't fill it out? I, I do still think people should fill out oh, okay. census forms. <laughs> I, that I was, was not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was that was not just for the the camera, as it were, or the microphone. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, like many states and many companies, June was like their big re- reopening date. And so, while I had been sort of at home working, sort of for the month of May, th- they refused to let that continue for June. So, so I left. Are you still pl- you and your family still planning to go into deeper quarantine? <laughs> every we're going deeper every day. <laughs> we did our first um, grocery store delivery. Um, because we had still been going in the store and that's a fun new realm, Mm. but I don't know if it's too soon in the episode to do this, but I did, I can still go to the cemetery, which I did. Yeah. I didn't end up going to the cemetery. No, Uh, you didn't complete the action item. No, I still kind of want to though, just because I want to find more outdoor things to do. And I don't know. I've always liked cemeteries. That's, I don't know. That sounds like I have a latent goth streak that, um, (laughs) perhaps I do. Embrace it. Growing up in my hometown, not far from my house, there was a historic cemetery that dated back to, I don't know, at least, at least the 1800s. And it was kind of, was kind of overrun in, in the fact, like it wasn't like a place with manicured lawns. It just like blended into the foliage of the, of the tree line. And I was always kind of fascinated by that. But I also like. I mean, it's 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 nice to see uh, like a, a nice, well kept cemetery as well. Yeah, I hope this isn't offensive. But when I think of Massachusetts cemeteries, <laughs> I think of the hocus pocus graveyards that the witches fly over in their vacuum cleaners. Like the tombstones stand real tall, and they have like witty like here lies X. Uh, they were dead, but we sent them to bed. Kind of, you know, those tombstones. Is that? Is that true? Well, it wasn't Massachusetts, though. It was Rhode Island. Ah. Because that's where I grew up. So I see. Okay. I'll have to find a Rhode <laughs> Island uh, <laughs> pop culture reference. Yeah, there's not much Rhode Island pop culture. But, um, I mean, there's Family Guy, and that's about it. There, Yeah, there is definitely, like, a difference between... I feel more of an expert now, like cemeteries in active use and cemeteries that are, like, historic. And, you know, maybe they have more memorials, but no one's actively using them. I do find it comforting in a way I didn't expect uh, going to a cemetery would be like comforting because I don't know, I do have people I know who have died in the National King David Cemetery that uh, I went to. So it's like more, I don't know, there's something about like it being more real to like visit a physical place, even though I don't believe they're like more physically there, but I mean, they're more physically there, more spiritually there. But yeah, it's been something I didn't expect to be so comforting, especially in a time where you like can't really see people how you want to see them. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I will, I will maybe try to make a cemetery visit at some point in, in the coming week, but uh, no promises. <laughs> Nothing is promised. No, I had been doing pretty well in, in terms of um, 
keeping it together, like taking care of myself, keeping a routine, you know, making my bed, keeping my space clean and stuff like that. But that kind of fell apart last week. Mm. I think part of the reason for that was that there was the Memorial Day holiday and then I took a couple of vacation days from work after that and that just threw my routine way off. To the point where, I don't know, I I just, I kind of went back to the stage of the early part of the pandemic where I just wasn't structuring my days pretty well. So I have, I've actually resumed my um, fictitious train commute. All right, back to the train. Back to the train. I figured it worked for me before, so I will allow the train to be my anchor. Very nice. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, are there like other sort of like coping or like steadying I, I like anchor as a word like anchoring mm. uh things that you have found like you know it's good if you do them getting dressed and putting on shoes <laughs> especially putting on shoes honestly i feel like there's a cumulative effect where once once i have found a sort of anchoring thing in my day then a lot of the other stuff that i end up doing ends up bolstering that there's almost like a positive snowball effect where if i'm able to do one thing uh, then that kind of gives me the ability to like sketch out a structure for the day. I almost feel like it's like play acting that everything is fine. <laughs> yeah. The more I can kind of convince myself that it's true and, you know, put on this one man, one man show about, um, about a person who's just doing great. You, yeah. Trick yourself into being functional. I, one thing that I'm doing that's kind of counterintuitive, but is also to try and like, trick myself into getting back into sort of the school mindset is I'm taking I'm taking another course right now in order to trick myself into doing the incomplete assignments from hmm. the two courses I already have out. My school is offering a free COVID in context course. Hmm. Uh, like it is free to everybody who is a student for credit, um, incoming freshmen, parents, can't do it for credit, but like community members, like they're, <laughs> it, it is the biggest course they've ever offered. And what like cinches it for me is that they meet online at the same consistent time twice a week. And they've only met once so far, but like that <laughs> is very good. I know for like, if I have to think school for an hour, I open my laptop, I like go through the motions of school for a little bit, I'm much more likely to do other school because uh, otherwise it will just never get done. But it is a little counterintuitive. It makes total sense to me that like once once you have a little bit of like structure and deadline and routine, it becomes so much easier to kind of use that as a basis for building more of it. I, I remember I, w- I was much more creatively productive when I was in school. Like when I was in college, I used to write a lot of fiction and I basically can't do it anymore because I no longer have that. Well, I am taking classes, but they're not like writing classes. So I don't have like a writing habit anymore. Yeah. I can, I can now say that uh, before I was taking my classes and working at the Census Bureau, I was just working at the Census Bureau and there would be very often a lot of downtime mm. for the day in the office. So I would write like, <laughs> I, w- I would write a lot of fan fiction or like draw stuff and apply to other jobs. <laughs> uh, and it was very nice because you're like sitting at a desk for a set time and you have to have the appearance of looking productive. And so I was very productive in my personal uh, life when there wasn't like census stuff to be doing. That's a good, yeah, that's good. So (laughs) I just need like everyone, everyone clear out of the office and let me come in for eight hours. (laughs) Yeah. 
while I've been lagging in productivity and structure, I was doing a lot of video gaming. We've talked about these video games on this show before. <laughs> these, <laughs> these videos. Yeah. But they move. And you move, you move them. These electronic games. Um, yeah, tell me about the games. I've been playing a game called Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is ostensibly a remake of a game called Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> but uh, it also kind of isn't. Like, it's more of like an entirely new game. But anyhow, I, I had never played the game Final Fantasy VII, even though it was like one of the, I don't know, seminal texts of, <laughs> of Japanese role-playing games, which I generally enjoy. But uh, I, I, I never really got into the Final Fantasy games because I was in a strict Nintendo household. So <laughs> PlayStation games need not apply. But now I'm a grown man. Now you can rebel. Yeah. I have a PlayStation 4 of my very own, so I can I can play it. And one one of the interesting things, like I I knew very little about this game despite having despite feeling like I knew a lot about it, because like I I had seen fan art of the characters for the last like 20 years. Um so I was like, oh yeah, this is the game with uh Cloud and Tifa and Sephiroth and Aerith and whatnot. But what I didn't know is that it is in large part about revolutionary violence against an unjust system. Like the main characters of the game belong to an organization called Avalanche, which is described by most of the other characters in the game, describe them as terrorists. They are quote unquote eco-terrorists who are bombing these reactors that a corporation has created that mine the essence of the planet for energy. It's like an oil allegory, basically. Mm -hmm. But like one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is the way, I don't know, there, there, there are some surprisingly, surprisingly thoughtful perspectives in the game about when it is necessary or appropriate to engage in acts of, you know, vandalism or violence in support of a cause, which is something that has also been in the news a lot this past week. So I don't know. It's been an interesting kind of resonance in between the game I've been playing and the reality in which I'm living. Yeah. I don't know. You had said, um, maybe last week or a few weeks ago, you had started reading, um, N.K. Jemison's The Fifth Season. Yes, and I I don't know how much further you got. I read I read the whole book. I haven't I haven't read the the rest of the trilogy. Yeah, but it's de- I believe in the first book, but it's definitely continues to be a series that you know it, it's fantasy, but it's also very much about like there is a broken system and how much can you from within heal that system or do you need to like burn it all down like what what is appropriate and what is effective to a corrupt system to get it to change mm, yeah i played my first visual novel game Ooh, what was this it? week it was the hive swap friend sim oh did you play the whole thing I, pl- I played the whole thing and i downloaded the one where it's um the humans the pester quest one pester quest, but yeah. I, I haven't really started that one yet but yeah when i first started homestuck um I really resented having to learn about trolls, mm. but <laughs> but now I've been in it, <laughs> steeped in it long enough. I, I do enjoy getting to know them, and and yeah, the, playing a visual novel uh, has been interesting, especially they do get kind of meta with it in Friends Sim. Yeah, Hive Swap Friends Sim is, al- is also a game that has a lot of um, has a lot to say about the topic of revolution and working within the system versus working without this uh, like outside of the system and it also develops the culture of the of the trolls like much more in depth than Homestuck ever did. But uh yeah, it's also it's also a game that is kind of sad in a way because 
it's sort of a prequel to Homestuck. And we know that the characters in Friends Sim who dream of uh, like reform or revolution in under the oppressive racist and fascist government that they live under, they never achieve their aims. Yeah. And it's sort of something like the player character self-insert struggles with like, does anything I do matter if it's either in the correct timeline or the non-correct timeline like does it make a difference Mm -hmm. to do all these things if it doesn't contribute to the right timeline yeah video games are good (laughs) they're good and the soundtrack is very good too i'm dipping my toe very gently into like the homestuck like alive fandom (laughs) not the homestuck alive fandom but the the, like current people you know continuing with with things very gently stay far away from the reddit yeah there's messiness but it's it's a nice sort of like i I enjoy being close to but not consumed by a fandom because i think it keeps me going that's pretty good um do we have do we want to have another action item probably probably the only action item this week would be to like if you can donate to a bail organization or a, a black-led organization that's, that's doing something to help. Or if you can't donate, like, try and read something or, like, I don't know what to do if you can't donate. Hold on. <laughs> but, yeah, like, just, yeah, to sit with things that are happening this week. Yeah. And pro- probably will be. You haven't participated in any protests, have you? No. I have not, without question, like I can't. Yeah. It's not something I can I can leave the house yeah. to do. Yeah, I haven't yet. I don't know whether I will, whatever. I wasn't able to over the weekend, but I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I did see, maybe this is sort of, if you can't donate, somewhat of an action item, the Doctor Who blackout yes. that's happening on June 6th. So I don't know if that will exist still <laughs> when this episode is out, but that looks like a useful and and kind of fun set of things to do. Yeah, yeah. It's um the episodes that have been picked for the Doctor Who blackout are real good. I'll try to get this episode up before then. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? You can use time travel skills, which I know you have, mm. but you just won't admit it. I shall remain silent on that for now until the time <laughs> is right in the past. Exactly. <laughs> Keep your secret. Okay. So uh, I think that's all there is unless, unless you think there's more. I think that's all there is for this week. We can go ahead and stay as distant as you can. Yeah. And uh, go the distance if you must. <laughs> <laughs>